0: Hopefully you've heard it said that there are no dumb questions. But I would also strongly suggest that some questions are better than others. If you're looking for a good question to ask your child or your student, or maybe another adult to help them to open up and share what's actually going on with them, here's a good question. What's frustrating you? Like what's that person or thing that's really just kind of annoying you or bothering you, or maybe even causing pain in your life? While we can't be in the same literal ballpark right now, We're all probably in the same figurative ballpark when it comes to our answer to that question. We're all sort of frustrated with some aspect of COVID right now. Maybe it's the restrictions. Maybe it's the hypocritical politicians who don't seem to understand that their restrictions apply to them as well. Maybe it's other people who don't seem to understand that their individual freedoms impact other people's freedom. Maybe it's some relationship that you're missing. Maybe it's the people that you're stuck in the house with right now. Maybe it's the virus itself. And in a group our size, there's probably someone who's frustrated with God. For some of you, it's not frustration as much as you're discouraged. What's discouraging you? Maybe it's your job or maybe it's your lack of a job. Maybe it's a broken relationship with your family, friend, or coworker. Or maybe it's just something going on in your family. And for others of you, it's not what's frustrating you or what's discouraging you. It's what is defeating you. That discouraging would almost be an improvement because this thing is always in the front of your mind and just seems like it's just a weight that you carry around. And if it was just discouraging, it would seem like there's some hope, but you just sort of feel like you're at a dead end and you're not sure what to do. Maybe your teenager or your adult child is uh, just making some terrible decisions. Or maybe worse yet, your teenager or adult child is dating someone who's making terrible decisions. Uh, maybe your finances make you just feel defeated because you don't know how this is going to end or when this is going to end. Maybe you feel like your marriage is just on the brink of collapse. And then maybe there's some of you that you would say it's even worse than that. What is devastating you? That maybe there's something in your life that just seems like it's devastating you. Maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe it's infertility, maybe it's someone that's close to you has died. Or maybe you would describe yourself as you're so lonely that it just seems devastating right now, that all of us in some way find ourselves in one of these questions from from discouraging and frustrating to devastating or being defeated, that we find ourselves in some, some area of that spectrum. But the powerful thing about this is that really for all of us, as soon as I asked a question, something immediately sort of came to mind when I asked the question, And so, now what? Like, what do we do now, you might be asking? Just because we have identified it, well, that doesn't mean anything. So here's the thing. Today, I hope, will be helpful for you. That's really what we try to do every week, is to be helpful for you. But more than that, today, I hope it will be hopeful to you. For those of you who are frustrated, for those of you who are discouraged or or sort of feeling defeated, for those of you who right now are in the middle of something that seems devastating, I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to say anything that will be emotionally satisfying for you, But in the middle of whatever you're going through and wherever you might be, we think you can find hope. And we hope that we can help with that as well. Because even though the answers to our questions, each of those questions might be all different depending on who we are, that our response to whatever is frustrating, discouraging, defeating, or devastating is probably going to sound similar or actually might be very similar. That we say things like, I wish it would go away. I wish I could just fix it. I wish I could just, uh, I wish it would just be gone. Or I just wish it would change or I could change it. Have you responded with a change it kind of prayer? Some of you might be saying, well, I didn't know there was any other kind of prayer than that. And even if you don't consider yourself a Jesus follower, I would imagine that you've prayed something similar to this. God, if there even is a God, would you please like remove this from my life? Would you please take this away and take it out of my life? Bless it, heal it, fix it, move it. God, would you just please change this thing that we love comfort and happiness and we don't want anything to get in the way of our freedom to enjoy our lives. And when something impedes our happiness, our comfort or our freedom, we try to avoid it. We try to move it. We try to get away from it. We wanna change those things and we put all of our energy into the change so we can get away from whatever that thing is. But have you ever noticed how sometimes God allows those things to stay in our lives longer than we would wish? Or maybe somehow he uses those things in our lives. So today we're going to talk about what do you do when change it, when God, would you please change it, or just trying to change it on our own doesn't seem to work. What do we do then? Now what? That maybe you've asked the question or asked God to change it several times and it just doesn't seem like it's changing. In fact, in some ways it might seem like it's getting worse, sort of like COVID right now. So now what? Well, here's a question that I think will set us up for the rest of our time together today. What if God is working on something that you're asking him to remove? What if he's working in the middle of something that you want him to actually remove? That I think that it's worth our time to at least figure that out. We're concluding the series where we're asking the question, now what? And over the last two weeks, we've been looking at one conversation that Jesus had with his early followers in John chapter 15. It's sort of a familiar and popular passage for many of us, but if it's not familiar to you or you're not a Jesus follower yet, we're really glad that you're here. In this passage, we see the potential of having a relationship with Jesus that Jesus wants to have with every one. You can head to our YouTube channel to watch any of the messages in this series. We're gonna be in John chapter 15. We're gonna begin in verse five. If you wanna open up the Bible app, you can find our notes and verses there. Just go to the more menu option, select events, and there you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses in the notes section of the chat and on the screen as well. John chapter 15, beginning in verse five, it says this. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And we have sort of been focusing on this one verse that Jesus is saying that I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, which one produces the life? Well, the vine produces the life, right? The branches are just the conduit for anything that happens. And sort of a modern day illustration that we said last week is uh, Jesus is the outlet and we're just the phone charger and we're trying to stay connected to the outlet. And really that's the way that we are able to charge the phone. And that, and Jesus says, that's the exact kind of relationship that I wanna have with you. That if you will remain in me, then I can do something in your life. And it's sort of a simple word, the idea of remain, but it's also a very complicated idea that if we live with, if we stay connected to, if we spend time with, if we stay close with God, then he will produce much fruit in our life. He says much fruit. And it's not because of our effort. It's not because of what we do, but it's because of who we are connected to. But then he says this, "'For apart from me, you can do nothing.'" And now we're starting to go backwards to the beginning of this chapter, talking about really the important part of this conversation, an important part that we haven't discussed really yet. But it's also sort of a not emotionally satisfying part of the the verse. And uh, it might not be particularly helpful. You might say at the end, like, well, I'm not really sure I wanted that to be said or I didn't want Jesus to teach that. But we're going to look at it anyhow because I think it'll be ring true for us. Beginning in verse one, it says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. That Jesus says that I am the true vine, but my father's role, he's the actual gardener. He's got like a black belt in gardening. He could have his own show on HGTV. Like he knows what he's doing. Like he did, he doesn't just have a green thumb. He invented green thumbs. Like that's who this master gardener is. And we're sort of okay with that. I think most of us are okay with that until God gets up in my garden, right? And most of us are like, well, yeah, I didn't really ask God to be up in my garden. And that's when we start having problems, right? And the reason that we start having problems is because of this next verse. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And an important note here is that these are the branches that are connected to the vine. These aren't branches that are disconnected, laying on the ground. These are the connected branches that they aren't producing fruit. And historically, there's actually a little bit of disagreement on what this phrase, he cuts off, actually means. Because in Greek, it means it's the word aereo, which actually means he lifts up. So maybe another picture for this or another way to think about this is is looking at a vineyard with all these vines and branches connected to the vine and then sort of finding this branch is sort of hanging down low by the ground and sort of maybe in the mud or kind of not getting enough sunlight. And the gardener kind of picks it up and puts it back closer to the vine so it can stay connected and be supported to grow fruit and actually get enough sunlight to actually grow the fruit. And that's kind of a sense of what Jesus has in mind when he says, remain in me. Now, here's what he says next. He continues, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he sprinkles miracle grow on the branches that do bear fruit, so they can produce even more. Now, that's not what he says. That's what we want him to say, but that's not actually what he says. He says this in verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. He does what? Like, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Like, When we're doing good with God and we're encouraged and we're doing well in our relationship with God, we want God just to sort of sprinkle plant food or miracle grow on us. Like, you know, you're getting self-control, well, now here's a promotion, or you're becoming kinder, well, here's the spouse of your dreams. Like, that's how we want God to react to us. But that's not how God, and that's not how life actually works. And that's not what a good gardener does. That if you're in a season of pruning, that really isn't very much fun for many of us, right? but a good gardener prunes the branches so they will produce even more fruit. They will become more fruitful. And what happens when you prune a branch? It reaches potential that was otherwise impossible. It experiences growth in new areas and it becomes more dependent on the vine. That really is the the point of pruning. And that is what God wants to do in our relationship with him. And at at times though, God will really put the shears to our lives, to parts of our lives that we didn't think anything needed to change or we wanted to sort of stay the same. And yet all of a sudden we're asking the question, well now what? So a pruned life, number one, reaches potential that was previously impossible. That a master gardener prunes the branches of our lives so that it will bear fruit. That he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. He's not pruning the branches that don't. He's pruning the branches that do bear fruit so that we will become even more fruitful in our lives. That God is not in this, is some sort of hobby of pruning branches in our lives, but God knows what he's doing. And yet we ask the question, well, isn't there a better way? Like that doesn't necessarily seem like the way that I would like it to be done. And the thing is that growth is never comfortable. That we really you and I really don't grow in comfortable situations. Um, As a little kid, occasionally, I would have these pains in my knees. And as I become a teenager, they became more frequent and more intense. I was having growing pains. And really, I don't think it was possible or would have been possible for me to reach my maximum potential height, I'm six foot three, by the way, without having some discomfort in my life. Number two, a pruned life experiences growth in new areas. That if you're a stay-at-home dad, God wants you to grow. If you're a boss, God wants you to grow. If you're a friend, God wants you to grow. That God wants to do more in you than you might be able to see yourself or maybe more than you can even imagine right now, the more that you even know about in your life. Number three, a pruned life becomes more dependent on the vine. That there's growth in your life that you will never see unless God deals with those parts of your life that might be really difficult for you right now. But what if God allowing or cutting that part of your life sort of pushed you to become more dependent on him. I heard about this story recently of a family that had a newborn baby that was born with quite a few complications. After about 20 weeks of more downs and ups in this baby's life, the dad sort of expressed to God how dependent on God he felt. And then it's almost as if God whispered to him, this is what he said, you're always this dependent on me, God said. You just feel it right now. Like, how true is that? That there are seasons of our lives where we feel things that are true all the time, but we're sort of reminded of them in those difficult seasons. That no one wants to go through a season like that, of having a child that eventually died, unfortunately, and going through those difficulties. Nobody wants to go through a pandemic. But what if that is the thing that might help you become more dependent on God? Because in those situations, we feel so helpless, but we also sort of, in many ways, feel so dependent on God because we really don't have anybody else to turn to that God might wanna do that thing in your life through that difficult thing in your life by, by dealing with and stretching and deepening your faith in that situation. He might allow it in your life longer than you'd want it to, or he might remove it sooner than you'd want to because it will help grow your faith in a way that maybe otherwise was not actually possible. I think this is a prayer for all of us. God, would you use this until you change this? That God is God who wants to know how you feel, that if you hate something you can let God know you hate something. That if you're sort of wanting God to remove something from your life, you can let God know you want him to remove it. But what if God wants to bring us to a place where we can say, God, I want you to change this, but would you use this until you change this? What would change about your perspective if God wanted to use that situation before God changed that situation? What if God wants us to reach potential that was otherwise impossible? What if God wants us to experience growth in new areas? What if God wants us to become more dependent on him? Here's an observation that those of you that are parents will completely understand. And if you're a kid, you remember doing this yourself. Um, There's any time there's one of those moments where you have to take something away from your child or you have to do something to your child that they don't necessarily want. They sort of look up to you like, why are you letting this happen? Like, what causes this pain? Why you don't love me anymore? Like, why won't you just let me do whatever I want to do? And parenting is really the area of my life, the greatest, biggest area of my life, where I feel the most incompetent at times. Like, even on my best day, I'm sort of a decent parent at best. And one of the difficult, most difficult areas for this is really screen time. Maybe you can relate with that. That um, screen time isn't bad, but too much screen time is bad. And if we aren't careful, like really careful, we can look up probably from our own screen and realize that our kids have been on screens over half the day. And as parents, we know that our kids need to get outside. We know our kids need to play with other kids and play with other toys other than screens. We know our kids need to learn to develop a relationship with their sibling. And so we do what you do. My wife and I do what you probably have done at times. We take away their screens. Um, But because we're master parents and we got this thing all figured out, my kids say to us, oh, thank you, mom and dad, like you're the best parents ever in the whole universe. And it's not necessarily what I would want, but I know that you want what's best for me. So thank you. Not at all. <laughs> That's not what happened, at all what happens. We're in tantrum, full-blown down, full blown meltdown mode, and like my kids are literally falling on the floor. And they're saying things like, you're the worst dad in the world. You're terrible. And you must have some other family that, that you love more than us. And I'm like, whoa, like, hold on a second. Like, Where did that come from? Again, I'm a decent parent at best, but I know my kids need me to do that. And if I'm a decent parent at best, how much more does God love us? How much more is God going to be willing to allow things in our lives that we wish he would take away? How much more is God going to take things away from us that we wish would stay longer? He is a perfect, loving parent. King David said it this way in Psalm 18. He said, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. That King David wrote this thousands of years ago, but really the promise is that that God will shield those who look to him for protection, they will take refuge in him. And that's really what God says. Anyone who's willing to say, I'm going to look to God for refuge, he will protect them. A pastor I follow named Craig Groeschel says it this way, you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. So would you surrender to the possibility that until God changes this, he will use this And this is really where the resurrection of Jesus becomes so important that a resurrected Jesus can sort of bring us hope in the middle of any tragedy and any pain and any pandemic and any pruning in our life. Because God uses anything to grow life, that until God changes this, he will use this. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you that we even have this conversation that Jesus had. Thank you that we even can look to it to see what you would say to us. And really the thing that you would say to your early followers and how they can have a relationship with you is the same thing you would say to us today, that we can have a close relationship with you and you want us to have a close relationship with you. That no matter what we're going through and no matter how much we're asking now what, you are there for us. So God, for some people here, um, this season feels completely devastating. It feels like it's not just, you know, we're discouraged or we're sort of um, frustrated, that this is really devastating, this has really hurt us. It feels like you've chopped down the vine of our lives. And so God, today, would you help them to see that you can bring life from anything? That God, would you breathe life into them right now, whether they have to go through this thing longer or whether you're going to take care of it today? And really for all of us, God, would you help us as we go through this season when we're asking now what? Would you help us to know how much you love us? Would you help us to see how we can remain in you, the ways that we can take steps towards that? Would you help us to get a glimpse of how you might want to use this situation before you ever change this situation or allow it to be changed? And God, we pray this all in Jesus' name, the one who experienced this in a way that none of us will ever experience this the one who brought hope from discouragement, the one who brings life from death, and the one who loved us enough to sacrifice for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.